that you said to the kid, the world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very rough, mean place. And no matter how tough you think you are, it'll always bring you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You or nobody ain't never going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. If you know what you're worth, go out and get what you're worth. But you gotta be willing to take the hit. And welcome to Dialogue with State Senator Paul Lavota. This is Paul Lavota of the 11th Senatorial District in Missouri. Um, I'm very proud to represent the 178,000 people who live in Independence, Kansas City, uh, Sugar Creek, Raytown, Lee Summit, unincorporated areas. And uh, we're back for another um, Dialogue program where we talk about what's going on in Missouri government and hopefully educate you a little bit and that's the point of this the point of all of this is that we you get a little bit of inside information from an elected official and i have a lot of fun doing it and really the most the reason i have fun um doing this podcast as the kids call it yes is because the people who are with me today and i'd like Aww. to welcome um the uh mayor pro temp of independence missouri chris whiting welcome chris oh paul thank you senator it's good to be back uh, I, I love the show. I hate it when I miss it. And today there was a new element. There was a pre-intro before the music played. Well, it just kind of sets the tone of what we're going to be talking about. And um, it's been a very big week in politics, national politics, and certainly Missouri politics. And it kind of sets the tone as well, we I can't go wait through to that. Was that from that, uh, that movie in the what, 70s or 80s about somebody named Rocky? It was. Starring it was Eric Stoltz and Cher. And no, Gar- no, you're thinking of something different. Oh, yeah. Well, but we'll we'll cover that. And it looks like, oh, looks what? like also Courtney Cole has just joined us. Yeah, I rang the doorbell. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Courtney, to Come the in. program. Thank you're you. always here. Courtney is the executive director of the Missouri Senate Democrat Project. Yes. And uh, you've my been, title is long. I have to. Yeah, hand you've out been very t-shirts. very busy so this, this week, and we have a lot of political yeah. news to report. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, the big news is the election. That's right. I mean, that is the news. And, <laughs> you know, this program is based on a an idea that you should over-communicate to your constituents. Um, Chris and I have figured out a way that we have fun doing a radio-type broadcast and also um, spend some time together and also give information in, in, a, in a manner that we can be ourselves, be as authentic as we can. So when you look at a, a Democratic politician, and you're a nonpartisan, but True that. but you're on the Democrat committee, so you're a Democrat. Yeah. And you certainly are a Democrat, Courtney. You work for the party. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a tough week for Democrats nationally and certainly in Missouri. So 
the question is, can you take the hit? Can you take the hit where the people who vote have said they don't necessarily agree with where the president or maybe where other things are going? Can you take the hit to get keep going and dedicate yourself to public service, try to learn a little bit about what the people are saying, but also don't give up your core values as you move ahead and try to add something to the uh, the community? If you know what you're worth, you got to go out and show what you're worth, and that's what I think every elected official should do after an election. That's the final accountability. And I guess I get a little frustrated when – uh, elected officials don't look at why things happen because it's the only way that we have people communicate to us. And that's a little reflection here. So as we look at these results, I'll, I'll put in my two cents. But I don't know. Do you think about that at all? Or I, Well, first of all, let me just say well done on that. Not only finding the quote, but uh, your thoughts around it are very poignant and on the heels of well, you know, it's a pretty reeling loss that right. uh, Democrats took. They they took a took their lumps on right. Tuesday all the way around. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and I guess I put it this way: we took our lumps. Yeah, you know what I mean. And me as an elected official, and um, that's how it goes. And I want to learn from it myself. Now, I do want to say this: I get I follow. I'm on the Twitter at Paul Lavota. I've heard of that, and. I was going to bring this up sometime. I might as well bring it up now. I had someone write, oh, someone who is JB, the old stranger. Uh, Twitter's the worst place in the world, by the way. Mm -hmm. You can be anonymous. He says he's a vet, conservative, independent, term limit for all politicians. He's out of San San Jose, a real conservative. And so he put... San Jose, Missouri? No, California. So he put, listen to Diatribe, Diatribe with Senator Paul Lavota. (laughs) <laughs> so he was really getting me and showing me a thing or two. and it, But it just made me think, it, that's what this is. This is my opinion. This is uh, talking about my district, the things I think are important. I want to educate you and I want to inform you, but I'm not trying to hide behind any type of this is a news report. This is certainly my opinion. And if you seek it out, you're, that's what you're going to get. You may agree with it or disagree with it. But that's what it is, right? Right. Yeah. So he showed from me the a get-go. Thing or two. Wow. From the get go. So we may do it. We, we should do a little diatribe moment. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that word right? Yeah, diatribe. Diatribe moment where I, we just kind of go off a little bit. But uh, um, it's interesting. Someone's actually listening. So that's good. <laughs> I think that's the good news of that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. From yeah. California, even. Yeah. Ooh, California. Yeah. <laughs> Swimming hey, pools, movie stars, if you think haters. about it. Was San Jose where the news <laughs> reporter was from that. Uh, Oh, yeah. Gave you a little flack, a little yes. guff about yeah. wanting the Super Bowl out here. Uh-huh. Mm, see, maybe that's what it's about. Yeah. yeah. That's the motivation. That could be. And, you know, their Giants beat our Royals, and I'm not still well, happy about that. Did. So Yeah, that's a tough one. So That's smarts. It stings. I, I guess I'll be introducing legislation that will be declaring war on the San Jose area. Um, he would like that, though. That's what that's something he would support, right? Because then he would be able to pour oh, money hey, into hey. his war chest. And then he don't want to yes. mess, with, you don't mess with, with, with our guns in Missouri. He doesn't want to mess with that. I think that's true. He doesn't mess with that. Yeah, I completely agree, actually. So let's get into the news, shall we? Now the weekly news roundup brought to you by the good folks at Liberty Realty. Here's Chris Whiting. 
Hi, Chris. Thank you, Mr. Intro Voice. I'm Chris Whiting, back at the Weekly News Roundup. I do want to say thanks to you, Courtney, and your expert skills. I feel like the pressure's on a wow. little bit today. Well, I so mean for it, too. I'm going to try to raise the bar for okay. myself, not because I want to be better than Courtney, but because you're inspiring to be better for myself. Wow. So, Thanks. thank you. And with that said, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get into the news. Sure. Republicans increase legislative supermajorities. Republicans padded their supermajorities in both chambers of the General Assembly during the November 4th general elections, giving the GOP a greater ability to override on legislation <laughs> vetoed by Democratic Governor Jay Nixon. Veto overrides require 23 votes in the Senate and 109 votes in the House of Representatives. Republicans picked up seven House seats during the election and added an eighth the next day when State Rep. Linda Black of Des Lodge, and I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. Uh, okay. It really doesn't. Who had just won election to a fourth term as a Democrat switched parties. What? As a result, Republicans will outnumber Democrats 118 to 45 during the 2015 legislative session for the second biggest Republican House majority since at least 1891 and the largest since 1921. It will be the sixth largest House majority ever of either party, the largest of which was in 1931 when Democrats outnumbered Republicans 140 to 10. So historically, at least Republicans. Democrats have the biggest one. Mm -hmm. Republicans made a net gain of one Senate seat to give them a 25 to 9 majority next year, putting them one seat shy of the GOP record of 26 seats the party held in 2011. The Republicans' 2015 tally will be part of a six-way tie for the 13th largest Senate majority of either party. The largest came in 1935 when Democrats controlled the chamber 32 to two. Seems like a baseball fan wrote these statistics. There's a lot, a lot of, of statistics in there. here that yeah. don't mean anything. Uh, <laughs> and and just to, the interesting part of it is that many of the House Democrats lost um, re-election by a very slim margin. Um, I'll talk to the Senate and Courtney. Maybe you can give us some insight on the House. But um, we were we were at nine seats for Democrats last session. There was one vacant that was a Democratic seat from Senator Ryan McKenna of Jefferson County, who was appointed to the Department of Labor. That was a vacant seat. So this report says we lost one, and it was a vacant one. So they're they're true, but we're going in the same number as we did last year. And the reason it wasn't worse is that the Senate is smaller. Um, you can focus a little bit more. And the... Victory of Jill Shoup against Jay Ashcroft in St. Louis County made it not a complete tidal wave of the, of the Senate. Mm-hmm. It has a lot to do, mostly to do, um, with Jill Shoup and her determination and her running a great campaign, raising a lot of money, uh, sticking to her values, running as the progressive that she is, and getting out the vote. The other part of that is the Democratic Party... Uh, came around her or rallied around her, and Courtney Cole helped with that. She did an amazing job to help well, with that. Well, there's the difference maker right there. So congratulations on that, Courtney. Did did a lot of the Democrats really lose by slim margins? I, I just noticed some of the local ones, and they I didn't feel like the margins were so slim. Well, I don't know if you want to get in. You know a little bit more about the House. You want to talk to that? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it seemed like there were – 
a, a few, um, mainly where there were Democratic incumbents, where the margin um, was smaller, you know. But overall, I think, and we saw this in the Senate, and just as you had explained to Senator, you know, the progressives, I think, either they spoke or they didn't, didn't well, they failed to speak, really. Mm-hmm. And our Democrats did not show up to the polls, you know. And um, I think that we have a state where um, we have a lot of candidates and legislators who position themselves as conservative Democrats, and I don't think that that message plays anymore. And I think that uh, the the progressives have been protesting almost and not showing up to the polls because they don't feel that we are presenting candidates that align with the beliefs and the issues in which they feel passionate about. Now, I was talking to a House member yesterday that uh, lost, Mm -hmm. and I asked the question— do you think it was because Democrats didn't show up to vote mm-hmm. or people who traditionally have voted Democrat have switched? Mm-hmm. Her answer was both. Both. Why? We lost the independence this year uh, mm. simply because of, of frustration with uh, Washington, mm-hmm. D.C., um, some of the other things that um, the – Economy seems to be getting better, but it's stagnant in people's minds. And also, uh, the the general frustration makes people not only switch those independents, mm-hmm. and also make those Democrats stay at home. I think maybe what is really happening is that we're we're becoming more and more. Well, we're becoming more and more Republican. I like to say, but we're more independent, though. You know? Well, I disagree. I don't think that it's independent, necessarily. I think instead it's progressive. And I think we have a split happening within our own party, which we're seeing visually in St. Louis, if you notice, mm-hmm. uh, where where they're being more outspoken about it. But there is a, a split where we have these uh, – we, we have Democrats with conservative values, I'll say. I'll, I hate using that word, but I will. And they, um, you know, have – We've been playing to them continually because the Republicans have the majority in this state, and we feel that that's the only way then that we're going to be able to gain the vote. But the truth is we've lost our base in the process. Right. And so our base, you know, feels though that our party doesn't have an identity anymore, and so they no longer feel there's something to grasp onto. So they don't and show so up And so then they vote. say, I'm independent, and I'm not going to vote for any of them. Right. You know, so we need to continue, I feel, to push progressive leaders because that's our duty as – our, a mission for our party is to stand on the platforms well, and, and on the issues in which we. It is very interesting to me mm-hmm. that you look at political polling and you see that the majority of Missourians want an increase in the minimum wage. Yes. The majority of Missourians want uh, Medicaid expansion. Those are two examples. Majority of Missourians or the majority of voters sent a pretty clear message on Tuesday that they don't want those things done. Yeah. Because they put people in office who do not want those things done. Yeah. So, I mean, some of the reflection I'm going to do over this election is, um, I think those are great things for the people of the Missouri, but who am I to say that they're great things if they're, they don't think they're, they're people who are against that? Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Well, it does. Yeah, it, it's like, I know. You have to think through it a little bit. Well, they're just not participating in the process, you know, and and to me that is a detriment to 
uh, democracy. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're if good people are not involved in government, then we can't expect government to be good. And if they're continually giving the power to those who are obstructing progress and standing in the way of solutions and not presenting any of their own, but then that's what they're going to get, and well, we're going to have to but suffer. That's, but I guess know? my point is, it's incumbent on every elected official to think maybe that's what they want. Well, then we're going to have to suffer. But in the meantime, I'm not going to take a step back from what I know that what I'm doing is right, and what I, I, I get that, and what I feel is right. I mean, we have and to so, still be an advocate for for the for things people. that we think are good for our community. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and you've got if you've got a disconnect where the majority majority of Missourians are wanting Medicaid expansion, they're wanting a higher minimum wage, but they're putting in office people that are against those things, then they're not getting the message. They're not getting the information. So maybe it's incumbent upon us to do things like diatribe with State Senator Paula <laughs> and, and communicate to people. Yeah, it, to educate them. You know, Winston Churchill once said <clears throat> that the best argument against democracy is a five-minute conversation with an average voter. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't agree with that quote necessarily, but I do think it highlights that a lot of people don't inform themselves, don't get well, informed before they vote. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it goes back to uh, something I've been talking about for many years is how do we communicate to voters now? Well, we send mail and we put TV commercials on. Those cost money. Mm-hmm. Since we don't have campaign finance limits in the state of Missouri, we have a majority that raises basically unlimited amount of money in order to communicate more so, I mean, your theory could be correct. You know, people only know what they know, and if they're communicated with more by the people who have the money, mm-hmm. then that's what they know. And they're communicated sound bites, not real information. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and and to be, and to be fair, I think both parties do that. You know, you try to you try to make it simple in an email or not email, but a, a mail piece mm-hmm. or a thirty second commercial. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it's just we have to get become creative on how we're communicating where people stand we do and it's got to be real meaningful communication not mm-hmm. 30 second sound bites you know, here in the kansas city area uh, the biggest races were on the kansas side of the state line but how many brownback and davis right. and orman and pat roberts <clears throat> commercials did you see on tv mm-hmm. it was every commercial break mm-hmm. they were there mm-hmm. and the message was the message was against the message was always mm-hmm. right. against mm-hmm. against yeah and not not a positive message, not a message about progress or what we're going to do. It was just against. Mm-hmm. So well, we, we've got to be better at communicating with voters. And you noticed, too, that that was a strategy in this last election that the Republicans had here in the state of Missouri was sending out targeted mailers to their base and revealing um, who had voted. So they, right. you know, got a postcard in the mail and it would show that your neighbor you know, uh, Sally Smith did not vote in the last, you know, right. election or the last four elections, whatever. I don't, I haven't seen the cards, but I've seen them in the past, you know. Mm-hmm. And what it does is it publicly embarrasses the voters then to go and vote because they received this then too with the scorecard of their fellow neighbors as well. And so it puts that, you know, pressure, that peer pressure really mm-hmm. on people to um to act and to to show up. I I have. Uh, I think that's. Terrible. I have a lady I've been training mm-hmm. emails with a constituent. She's in Sugar Creek who's just outraged by this. Yes. So I may be looking at, at legislation on how we control that a little bit. Well, to I don't know how we do. I actually too, don't right? know how we do it because it's a, a public record right. and we do want to know who votes. 
Yeah. But um, it is pretty. Well, it's know. just it's characteristic it's, of a party that will do that in order to turn people out to vote. And it's evidence of, of similar strategies that they've used in the past that are downright disgusting. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you know, surprised to me that they have done this. And there are studies that show that this does work and it does turn out, you know, your vote. But it's how you approach your supporters even and the respect that you give them in thanking them for voting or, hey, I know you couldn't vote last time, but I hope that you can go and vote this time because we really need your help. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that there's a better way of communicating that's going to motivate people more positively to get involved and then continue to be of support instead of I am so fed up with politics. I'm just not doing anything at all with it, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's what a lot of people are doing to remove themselves from the nastiness that politics has. And to me, politics is a very, you know, positive thing. It's a way that we, a structure that we have in place that we can work through to improve and provide well, for our communities. And so it's frustrating that it gets a bad rap. I, I, I think the mistake is, though, if you're in my seat and you say, oh, well, those people just didn't know what they were doing. Or the, we didn't have enough people vote. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it's a mistake to be that. Not listen to the people and the people that actually vote. So, you know, you got to stay, you know, increase the minimum wage. What people don't understand is that these folks who don't make a minimum wage, who work full time in this country, have to go get government subsidies for things such as health care. Because they don't make make enough money and they work full time in this country. That's fundamentally wrong. The new 118 uh members of the Republican Party in the House are against that idea. The people of Missouri put that put those people in place. So what I'm saying on so that do we particular just issue to allow them to go well, to the right then? I no, mean, no, 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 you're you're okay, inter- you're because- interrupting me and let me finish. Um I'm saying that Instead of saying, well, they don't understand, I'm still right on the issue, I need to think about, I'm compassionate about this issue, right. I need to figure out a different way to communicate yes. this, or I'm wrong, or I'm wrong. Right. And I think we don't see that enough. I don't think we see that enough. I can tell you this, Pat Roberts wins in, in the U.S. Senate. I would be ashamed to be Pat Roberts, to be in Congress for 47 years and to have to run that election to win his race against a guy no one knew. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be a disgraceful, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say this, it's a disgraceful life. That wow. you, you've done so much energy that you have to first attack somebody to get reelected for a job you've been doing for 47 years that you can't think of one good thing you did. That over, That's despicable Over me. half a century, you can't come up with enough things that you've championed and done and that, accomplished. Even if you didn't do, get it done. I'm going to be able to walk away and say, I fought hard for Medicaid expansion. I think we're going to get that done in the next six years. I plan on being a senator. But if we don't, I'm going to be able to look in the mirror and say, you know what I did? I did this because I'm passionate about it. So I have a re-election in two years. My plan is to talk about the things I've done. And if I get attacked, I'll come right back at them. But starting off as an incumbent with – um Here's the negative things about the guy running this meeting. is despicable to me. Mm-hmm. So anyway, well put. You got me on a diatribe. Well, I want to ask a question <laughs> yeah. then to follow up with that. Yeah. Then what did you learn from what the voters had to say and what you're going to do? And go I don't know. Them? I got to think through this because I'm passionate about minimum wage, for example, and Medicaid expansion. I think that our you know people I mean? are not being educated. I don't think that, that our 
um, Maybe. coverage of what's happening in our capital is getting through to the general public, and I think that is a failure on us. And, and I we're guess, working to change that by having programs like this. But I guess what enough. I'm saying is, I guess what I'm saying is, perhaps that's the answer, and we need to think through mm-hmm. this or research, find out. Right. Well, good news is, good. you know, if there were a lot of uh, slim margins, that means that that the tide can be turned. Come around next time, perhaps, if, perhaps. if the the right things happen. Right. Perhaps it can. And if I'm not mistaken, Slim Margin was the largest recording artist in the world, That's right. bigger than even the Beatles and Elvis. Was he bigger so, than the pan flute guy? Yes, he was even bigger than Zamfir. <laughs> okay, cool. That's yeah. excellent. I'm embarrassed that I know that. Wow. <laughs> Moving on, voters ratify two amendments, reject two others. Missouri voters on November 4th ratified two constitutional amendments separately relating to the admissibility of evidence in sex crime prosecutions involving a child victim and imposing restrictions on the governor's authority to maintain a balanced budget. Voters rejected two other proposed amendments, one that sought to eliminate tenure for public school teachers and another that would have established a highly restrictive and optional early voting period. Amendment 2 passed overwhelmingly with 72% support. It allows evidence of prior criminal acts, including allegations that never resulted in charges, to be used against a defendant accused of a sex crime involving a child victim for the purpose of showing the defendant is likely to commit such crimes. So-called evidence of prior bad acts typically isn't admissible in criminal cases due to its inherently prejudicial nature. Also winning voter approval was Amendment 10, which garnered 56.8% support. Amendment 10 weakens the Missouri Constitution's balanced budget requirement by authorizing the General Assembly to overrule the governor when he makes mid-year spending cuts to ensure that expenditures don't exceed available revenue. Such legislative overrides will require two-thirds support in both the Senate and House of Representatives. Voters resoundingly rejected Amendment 3, which sought to eliminate public school teacher tenure in Missouri and received 23.6% support. Amendment 3 was placed on the statewide ballot via an initiative petition effort funded by mega-millionaire and prominent conservative political donor Rex Singwafield. Shortly after successfully getting the measure on the ballot, however, Singwafield front (laughs) group pushing for its passage abandoned its planned campaign, citing poor polling numbers. With just 29.7% support, Amendment 6 also failed. It would have authorized a six-day early voting period, excluding weekends and ending the Wednesday prior to a November general election. Amendment 6 would have empowered the General Assembly to block early voting in a given election year by withholding funding. Republican lawmakers proposed Amendment 6 in an effort to preempt a significantly more expansive mandatory early voting proposal that had been expected to go on the November 4th ballot via initiative petition, but failed to receive the necessary number of signatures. So, here's the thing about these these uh, amendments. Lay it out, buddy. Um, we discussed these uh, pretty in-depth last program, and everything I endorsed won. Wow. Uh-huh. That's what you call the the dialogue good charm on this. That's thing. that's the okay? Midas touch. So there you go. The the things that were um you know made sense um the uh, the constitutional amendment about sex crimes that was good. I was really very pleased that amendment 3 um failed. And I was very happy that the early voting scheme where they tried to Make a pretend early voting failed. I think people saw through that. 
Mm-hmm. Similar to, if you remember in the August election, when they tried to do a lottery ticket for veterans, and I felt like we should just help veterans anyway, and that fell through because people saw through the scheme of it. I think people are getting smarter on these amendments. Uh, I uh, was different from some people in my party that I supported Amendment 10, is it? Yes, that deals with spending cuts and withholds. I think we're going to be okay on that. I don't think it's going to take away too much of the governor's power, but it's going to have that uh, check and balance in there. So that was some positive news as far as I'm concerned for those amendments. Well, good. See, there's a little silver lining. Yeah. Thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I, I, you know, Amendment 3 was um, the the thing that turned out the largest amount of voters um, that showed up on the ballot, and I was glad to see that the public was – can come out in such support for our public schools. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Okay. All right. Judge strikes down Missouri's same-sex marriage ban. St. Louis Circuit Court Judge Rex Burleson on November 5th ruled the Missouri Constitution's ban on same-sex marriage violates the equal protection and due process provisions of the U.S. Constitution. Attorney General Chris Coster said he will appeal the ruling so that Missouri Supreme Court has the opportunity to provide a definitive resolution to the case. However, Costa is not seeking a stay on Burleson's ruling, and the St. Louis City Recorder of Deeds Office began issuing marriage licenses to same-sex couples immediately. Officials in neighboring St. Louis County intend to do the same, but other Missouri counties plan to maintain the status quo pending action by the state Supreme Court. The St. Louis decision comes a month after Jackson County Judge J. Dale Youngs ruled the state must recognize the marriages of same-sex couples who wed in states or countries where such unions are legal. However, Young's decision didn't address the question of whether Missouri must allow same-sex marriages to be performed within the state. So that's interesting, you know. Oh. Uh-oh. There's some breaking news on this same topic from, Holy Cor- cow. from Courtney Cole. Courtney? Yes, this morning a U.S. federal judge ruled uh, that marriage ban in Missouri is unconstitutional. So that will affect even more than the St. Louis areas. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's a federal court. Right. Very interesting. in that way. I think it's interesting, again, the election uh, puts in so many uh, quote-unquote conservatives in Missouri, and meanwhile— some of their major initiatives are being thrown down because they're kind of unconstitutional. So. <laughs> because they're discriminatory. Right, that's right. Yes. Yeah. That's right. I'm well, really impressed with A.J. Bachelman and the promo group for the, all the work that they have given on this. I think they've done a great job. Well, this is certainly coming to a head. I know there's lots of people who were hoping that we could just ignore this whole thing and mm-hmm. not worry, but we're not going to be able to do that. We're going to have to face it. And I agree with uh, what I think I hear Courtney Cole saying that it's it's a discriminatory issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's my opinion on this. Right. So let's not discriminate. Let's let everybody have the opportunity to get married and yeah. experience wedded bliss. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, Nixon appoints new revenue department director. Governor Jay Nixon on November 5th appointed Nia Ray of Jefferson City as the new director of the Missouri Department of Revenue. Ray has held various posts in the Nixon administration since 2009, most recently as director of the Division of Employment Security. 
She can begin serving in her new position immediately, but will face confirmation when the Senate reconvenes in January. Ray is the second African-American Nixon recently has appointed to a cabinet-level position, the first being former St. Louis Metropolitan Police Chief Daniel Ism, whom Nixon appointed director of the Missouri Department of Public Safety in August. Following the recent unrest in Ferguson, Nixon was criticized about the lack of racial diversity in his administration's cabinet posts. So when the session starts in January, these folks that were mentioned in this uh, news will go through the advise and consent process of the Senate. They'll be sponsored by whatever their senator is. I think it's probably Mike Kehoe. And then go through our gubernatorial appointments committee, then to the Senate, and then they'll be in. Any uh, any prognostications on how these might come out? Do you think they'll get through the Senate? I have a feeling that both of these will be fine. There are so many boards of commissions, and I've talked about this before. I'm going to pursue this a little bit more next year. There's so many boards of commission that the governor just simply doesn't fill. Mm-hmm. And it affects things all the way from your real estate agent to your who cut your hair and everything else. And he's been dragging his feet quite a bit, and I've been pretty vocal with criticizing those lack of appointments. These are the big ticket things, these cabinet-level folks that get through and uh, a little more thoughtful. I wish he would do that with more of these things that affect. Because, quite frankly, the Department of Revenue – you know, that's important. But if you're uh, like a constituent down the street here trying to uh, have a tattoo shop, it's just as important to you on who's on that board mm-hmm. as it is for some of these other things. So the governor seems to be pretty good at when he uh, has an issue with it, quickly finding someone he needs. Um, I wish he would realize that small businesses in the state uh, need these folks and they should be uh, put on there. I mean, we have a... Uh, vacancy in our local election board that's the democrat nominee that he hasn't done anything with and we just went through a major election so wowza you know yes his feet have to be held to the fire on those he's been dragging them for a while well well, i uh pat i proposed legislation last uh session that said if you're if you've gone through your time you're done but what happens now is if, let's say, you're appointed to a commission for two years. Okay. If you, if you aren't reappointed, you just stay on now. Oh, wow. No. So mine will, my idea was you stop. Once you're done, you're done. And that would make the governor say, oh, we have a lot of vacancies, and either reappoint those folks, which is as simple as making a letter and sending it to the Senate, or getting someone new in there. Now, a different bill passed that – did the same thing, only allowed the governor 60 days after that expiration date from, from uh, pardon me, um, from Senator Eric Schmidt. That was passed, but it was part of the veto. Some of those vetoes that it sure. was in there. So I want to pursue that again because I think it keeps our feet through the fire because some of these boards can't do business without a quorum. And some of the quorum is people who've been there forever who want to get off but can't, or they can't do business because they haven't been appointed. Mm-hmm. So. I feel that pain. Yeah. All right. Well, very good. You fight the good fight, my friend. And I'm going to finish up with one last story. Awesome. Net state revenue up 4.3% so far in fiscal year 2015. Net state general revenue collections were up 4.3% through the first four months of the 2015 fiscal year, compared to the same period in fiscal year 2014, going from $2.48 billion last year to $2.59 billion this year. 
Net general revenue collections for October 2014 increased 6.1% compared to those for October 2013, going from $530.9 million to $563 million. So that's good because we're on track for our budget. The governor released some of his withholds um, earlier in the week, and uh, some he still has withheld. That's a good positive thing. Again, and I went talked about this a lot last time, is the way we do budgeting just doesn't make sense in the state of Missouri. We don't know what number we're using. The governor disagrees with the legislature. Uh, you withhold because you uh, want to think about what the impact of legislation being passed. It's a mess. I don't know the actual solution. I have heard of an idea that you budget on what you had last year, and then if you get more, you put that into preserves and you, mm-hmm. you save it for the next time. That's something I'll be looking into. But I want to try to um, talk about tax policy and how we do budgeting because I think it's a fundamental issue. And maybe I'll even play my interview with, with the Comcast to uh, where I tried to explain. It's going to be a pretty boring two years of me talking about this, but I think it's so fundamental that how we pay for things, what we pay for, uh, I think it's really crucial. So Good. Uh, I want to add one thing, too. Yeah. That was your weekly news roundup brought to you by the good folks at Liberty Realty. Thank you, Chris. Blaze, blaze in the steel. Bring the heat. Mix it nonstop. 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 With the with hottest, the hottest DJ. DJ. That's you. That's the little thing I found for Wait, you. I'm the hottest DJ? You are. You are the hottest DJ. Oh, my gosh. I've never been the hottest anything. <laughs> that's really cool for me. Except at the beach or something. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a lot of... News that's been going on. Um, Chris, you've read that news, but we don't really know what's going on with you. That's what I want to know about. Seriously? Mm-hmm. This is your time to shine. Okay. Well, I want to talk about something I was just thrilled to be a part of last night. Our mayor had to go out of town. She had dinner at the governor's mansion. Ooh, nice. Yeah. And we had our annual volunteer banquet last Ooh. night. Now, what would you say are some of the things that makes Independence unique as compared to other cities in the area? Um, our, our historic place. Let me stop you there. You're right. Okay. <laughs> yes. We have all of these historic sites in Independence. 31 years ago, they started a volunteer program because we just didn't have – we have so many historic sites. We didn't have enough money to fund positions to have people – Working at these historic sites, giving tours, taking care of the historic sites, making sure that they're not just crumbling and decaying away. And that's been going on for 31 years. We had a banquet last night to honor those volunteers. We had 250 people there. Wow. This The volunteer effort in Independence is amazing. And so they were honoring people there for their years of service. We had three people who have been volunteers for the entire 31 years of the program that were still there. How was that? Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So these are people just very, what what was like the thing that they did? You know, like, are they volunteering at the volunteering at Vale mansion, giving tours, cleaning up the grounds there, volunteering at the depot, uh, giving tours at the national frontiers trails museum. So all of those different sites that we have, they, they man, they staff. There may be, you know, one or two city staff people that work there that are on the payroll, and the rest are volunteers who just do this because they care about their community. Wow. So I, one thing that was kind of fun 
was I got handed a big check from. Oh, wow. From, I've always wanted to do that. Did you, were you able to take it into the credit union and get it cashed? No. And it was handed to me by Corey Day. I, I accepted it, but then told how disappointed I was that it didn't come from Ed McMahon because yeah. as a little kid, I had yeah. always imagined right. being handed a giant check by Ed Opening McMahon. The door and yes. Yeah. I wanted the balloons and the fanfare mm-hmm. and the big check. So, but I did get the big check. So I guess that childhood dream. What came was true. the check? What was it up? The check represented how much money these volunteers saved the city. You want oh, to take okay. a guess on how much it was over your 2014? Oh, yeah, you have 250 people um, volunteering. Mm-hmm. So, man, I would say 15, 16 dollars. <laughs> I don't. I, I actually, I, I would thousands of dollars. I would think. Yeah, let's do a little game here. Let's have Courtney and Paul each guess, and we'll oh. see who's closest without going over. Oh, no. Okay. Um, and if you come within $100, you win the actual amount. The senator gets to go first. Okay. I'm going to say I'm going to say $50,000. $50,000. Can we lock that in? Yes. Okay. Locked in. So Locked we've got in. Senator Levote at $50,000. Courtney Cole. Um, I'm going to go with um, 50,001. Ooh, 50,001. Well, our winner, although a disappointing guess, uh, is Courtney. The the actual Woo-hoo! total value, are you ready for this? Yes. $358,000 of services performed by the tourism volunteers. Wow, that's great. Let me break this down for you a little bit, if I may. All right, break it down. Break it down. Based on what we would have to typically pay someone to do jobs like this, the value of one hour of volunteer service for the tourism department in the city of Independence, Missouri, is estimated to be $21.17. That's great. Our tourism volunteers recorded, are you ready for this, nearly 17,000 hours of volunteer service in 2014. My goodness. Yeah. Tell me again where they volunteer at. Vail Mansion. Mm-hmm. Bingham Wagner. National Frontiers Trail uh, Museum. Truman Depot. Um, the the new tourism, what, what is, the tourism office that we have in the new Jackson County Courthouse. At the Jackson County Courthouse. At the Log Cabin Courthouse. And I'm sure there's others that I'm just not uh, remembering off the top of my head. But all of those sites that you visited as a kid on field trips mm-hmm. or when you took historic bus tours are staffed by volunteers. And they are people who just are passionate about the city and its heritage. And uh, Park and rec people, too? Any park I don't and rec know. type people? I don't, it's all tourism department. Okay. So this, this, and there may be park and rec volunteers as well, but mm-hmm. these were just tourism volunteers. Wow. Wow. So I was able to get to to address the crowd uh, since the mayor was out of town and just talk to him a little bit about how much the city appreciates. It's not just the monetary value. I mean, three hundred and fifty eight thousand dollars savings to the general fund is gigantic, mm-hmm. but really the benefits transcend money. I mean, for those people who've been volunteering for 30 years together. It's mm-hmm. it's lifelong friendships. That's right. But they're also, I think the term that I used in my speech was, they're planting <clears throat> seeds for trees in whose shade they may never sit. But they're preserving the history of our city for generations to come. Mm-hmm. So they may not know who they affect with what they're doing now. And that, that history is really what sets independence apart. It's it's so much a part of the character and the fabric so of, of who that, we I are. I got that right. You got that one right. Yes. That's so, great. it's 
it's important what they do. It makes a difference to the city, not just monetarily, but also for the, the character. I mean, our history is something – it gives a shared sense of connection, and it's something we're proud of mm-hmm. as a community. So it's nice a big work. darn deal, and I was I was happy to be able to do that. And, uh, you know, we, we skew – What a fun opportunity. Demographically, we skew older in Independence okay. and other cities. And this room was filled with senior citizens – who are obviously very active in the community, care about the community. They're not just sitting at home watching prices, right? They're out there involved. They're they're a huge part of who we are. So it was really cool. I, I came away so impressed. Well, it w- I was going to say that it's a great opportunity to, to thank them. And also, I'm very glad that you're our mayor pro tem. I know you're a great speaker, a great presenter, um, I know people who listen to this exclusively may not know that. <laughs> no, that's not nice. I don't know why I do that to you. Now, you're you're one of the best presenters I know, and so they probably were very thrilled with your presentation. So, it, well, thank and you, you. And I know you have fun doing it, too. So Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I had a great time, and they uh, enjoyed my corny jokes and, and listened. Mm-hmm. And I also kept it short. You know, I've found in many areas of my life, keep it short, right. get out. Yep. And people are less disappointed. Yeah, yeah like your haircut. Oh, come Was on, that Charlie? Charlie? Is Charlie come back? On. Stop that, Charlie. we got to get that guy his yeah. own mic. So, no, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. No. And then there's just a couple of things coming up that I want to mention. Sure. If you don't mind. Uh, Thursday, November 13th, 4 p.m. at the uh, Community of Christ Auditorium in the Laurel Room downstairs will be the Mayor's Prayer Hour. This is an annual event. It had been a breakfast for years. It's always delicious. Then last year, former Mayor Rimel did a lunch, which was nice. And this is going to be... He did? Yeah. Do you remember that? No. Yeah, we had... Did a, I miss it or something? Maybe you weren't there. Yeah. Yeah, we had lasagna and salad, pie. Was, I, I remember that it's always it was always early in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I remember... I, it must have been 2002 when I first got elected. When I got to go into that big auditorium and they invited me to sit at the front, and I thought that was a really Ooh. neat thing. And then I yeah. even watched myself on City Seven later that I was up there. Oh, did you yeah. really? Oh, so wow! It is. It is a kind of a fun. Everybody who's involved civically in Independence in Eastern Jackson County is there. So yeah, in a in a positive message. It's a big um, big event. Gets yeah. a little um, too targeted for one religion for my taste sometimes, to be as inclusive as I'd want to be. Uh, I mean... Well, can I tell you the theme for this year, well, then? Well, some, it doesn't always... It's not always like that, but sometimes it gets... I, I, actually, not even one religion. I think it's clearly a Christian event. Mm-hmm. It gets a little too denomination at some point. Mm. So I don't know... I don't know what it is this year, but other than that, I think it's a, a fun thing to do, go to. Well, this year, the theme of the prayer hour... Mm-hmm. is celebrating gratitude, a Ooh. celebration of our diversity in independence. Oh, that's great. That's great. So maybe it'll be a little more diverse. Mm-hmm. Although if it's actually reflecting our diversity in independence, it may not be. Right. So, you know, who knows? But it it's a great event. Ten bucks is well, a ticket. And I won't go off on this. But diversity, we need to think about diversity in our communities, organizations, because I went to a seminar. It was the... It's not called the American Talent Development. It used to be ASTD. The yes. Training. American went, Society went to of the, Training and Development. Went to the Kansas City Conference last week, and they had oh someone talk God. about diversity. 
And she said, well, you have to deal with diversity because uh, we have a transgender person in our location, and now we need to buy another bathroom. And so <laughs> I'm thinking, Buy another bathroom? Yeah. And I think that person's missing the point of diversity. Mm-hmm. Diversity is not those type of things, although that can be. It's a diversity in allowing the public to talk, come up with suggestions, and being able to hear things that you don't necessarily agree with. That could be gender, race, or just simply opinion and background and age and everything else. And as we have in our community, in our country, have four gener- different generations working and being active in our community, the first time in our history that we've had that many different generations, we have to be aware of diversity more and more. So I'm glad that's a topic. Well, and not only have to be aware of it, but but celebrate what it brings to the table. Right. And, uh, and you know, I th- it gets... Uh, confused with meaning you have to accept everything that another person says. I don't think that's that's missing the point. Mm-hmm. The point is that everyone has a voice and everyone is valued, and that's true diversity. But we won't go off on that. Well, in fact, if you want me to speak next week, <laughs> you know, I think it's. A, I was uh, talking to a gentleman at a large company here in Kansas City the other day, and it's a company that's been around forever, and he said that. They're really trying to get more diversity. He goes, you go into most of our meetings here, and 95 out of 100 people attending a meeting will be white males in their 50s. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is you get a perspective of a white male in his 50s rather than all these other opinions and perspectives that may lead you to solutions that you never would have come up Mm -hmm. with if the room's filled with all this homogenous group. How many women are now in the legislature? Um, I know you just showed me that chart before. Uh-huh. The... There are a total of 48, and there are 149 uh, men. The women now make up 24% of the legislature. I mean, that's, that's pathetic. That's even less than Democrats. That's you know? both parties. Yeah. <laughs> there's hardly any Democrats any left. Yeah. To me, that that's a, another issue. I, I know I'm going to hear from our Twitter misty friend and can say i don't care about this stuff but this is that's what i mean by diversity we don't have the diversity in our um, legislature certainly by gender uh certainly by race but also just by age and and background and i think we'd have a better government if we valued that more and i'm looking forward to learning next week from mayor weir on diversity well i'm excited to hear what she has to say and the the prayer hour or prayer lunch or prayer breakfast, whatever it happens to be yeah. in any particular year, it's it's a, a humbling, inspiring yeah. thing. It's, well, it's good. you know what it is? You know, if, if if you're religious, good. If you're not, whatever, it's a positive message. It's a, it's a, people are getting together, talking in a positive manner as opposed to, oh, I don't know, burning down a quick trip. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's for people of all creeds and religions as long as they love Jesus. So, um, also, I wanted to mention that on Saturday, November 15th, from 3 to 6 p.m. at the beautiful Independence Square, there will be the tree lighting ceremony and holiday activities Ooh. kickoff. And that's fun. Um, you can. Enjoy the sights, sounds, and smells of the season with hot cider, kettle corn, roasting chestnuts, carolers, festive dancing, and a special visitor. Any ideas who it is? Mm -mm. Santa? Gilly? It's Courtney was right. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's not Gilly. It's not Gilly. It's not your dog. Although Gilly's welcome to come up. Okay. Gilly could be the special visitor. Right. Uh, Santa will be there about 3 o'clock. The tree lighting, uh, the mayor's tree will be lit at at dusk. And you can also take sleigh rides. There's a there mayor's tree. Yeah, the mayor's Christmas tree up there on the, okay. the Independence Square. Wonderful. So that should be a good time. For more information on that, you can call 461-0065. There's a, like a mayor's pro temp shrub. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Yes. Courtney. Yes. I don't Senator. if you have anything else to report, but I'm un- wondering what are you doing next Thursday? Next Thursday, uh, we are working on putting together the Dialogue Town Hall that will be at Van Horn High School. Yes. This is a big announcement. This is a big announcement. Why don't you tell the folks a little bit about Dialogue goes to Van Horn. Well, we do Dialogue, just like we're doing now as a podcast. But then you also do town halls for your constituents monthly, Mm -hmm. which is great. And so we're combining those efforts. And at 7 o'clock in the Little Theater at Van Horn High School here in Independence, um, both yourself and your guest. Our special guest. Our special guest. Have we announced our special guest? We did on the show last week, but if anybody is listening this week, they will know that Announce who the special guest is. Our special guest will be Mayor Pro Tem. Chris Whiting. Yay! What? Oh my Yay! gosh. Yeah. Wow. How'd you get him? Yay. Right. Yay! It was really tough. His schedule is difficult to, to get him sometimes. It was true, actually. It is. It true. is yes. Yeah. And so Sorry, we guys. Were able I got stuff going that. on. But the public is invited to attend at 7 o'clock uh, if you would like there at the Little Theater. It will be um, taped. And so then we will be able to provide that uh, event online in the mm-hmm. near future um, to be able to showcase. So, for next week, we're not having a podcast. Instead, we're doing a video podcast in a way. Right. Very and, nice. Uh, you guys will be able to give us an update there in person. And I, I'm looking forward to it. I actually got a text from uh, the principal of Van Horn. He wants me to call him after we're done here to to figure out some of the things. But Great. the idea, folks, is the whole point of this of this dialogue with State Senator Paul Lavota is to educate and to get some feedback. And that's why we're going to do a town hall meeting. We're going to record it kind of like we're recording it now. So we are doing different ways to reach out to the public. We're going to do a video thing, which is great because um, the idea came from Dialogue with Litton where he was a TV show. So we're going to do our own little YouTube TV show. And we've also invited people. And if you'd like to be on this list, um, shoot me an email that we're going to have a little bit of dinner before. Oh. Six o'clock. Mm-hmm. We've do, invited. Do we know what's on the menu? Some delicious food. Oh, that sounds and good. Yeah, I picked it out. It's we, great. We have, um, mm-hmm. we've invited some folks who've been very involved to come. Um, I think if you're listening to this, you fall in that category. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so if you want to come at six and have dinner, let us, know. let us know so there's enough food. Yes. I do have a message for you regarding that. Yeah. From Pat Ketting? No, from Marvin Sands. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's unable to be there. He came up to me last night at the volunteer dinner. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, expressed his regrets, wishes he could be there, but... Good to know. You know. i tell you what, I'm going to have a difficult time doing a town hall meeting without Marvin there. Yeah, he's always he's there. he's always there and very mm-hmm. active in the ARP. That is and, exactly what I told him last night. So um, he got the invitation. So we're excited about it. It is, you know, Courtney's organizing it along with Jordan, and we have a professional video guy doing it. And it's going to turn out well, and... I still call it an experiment because I don't know anyone else in the state who's doing such a thing. And somewhere along the way, I want to keep uh, this, the 
radio podcast type conversational part of it, mm-hmm. as opposed to town hall meetings where we're, what's this, what's this, and some type of argument thing. I want mm-hmm. the conversation to be there, so um, we'll see how that goes. Is it experiment two? I think this is uh, experimental, yes, okay. but I think it'll be successful too. Okay. So thank you for working on that. Is there anything else you'd like to add as we go along here today? No, just that I'm I'm happy to be moving forward now that the elections are over. Yes. Now, we, now you know, immediately look at uh, the things that we can do for 2016. I'll say it right now. My number one focus. Yeah. Well, I was going to say someone else, but really I, I, I'm, I'm announcing I'm running for re-election in 2016. Wow. So that's really my number one focus, I guess. But I want I want Stephen Weber of Columbia to be in the Senate. Okay. He's running for Senate, and I'm going to work really hard for him, not only from a party point of view, but someone who's courageous and um, down-to-earth and authentic, and I'm really excited Absolutely. about uh, working working with him. Last week, just briefly, I was able to go to the 100th anniversary of Union Station mm. Gala, which is really neat, and they just uh, – Neat historical thing. Um, and went to Jefferson City um, this week after the election. Uh, that's where you go and you, you caucus by party, and then you go and figure out your where your offices are based by seniority. Oh. And so um, big news, I'm moving to the third floor, a little more room for my staff. And so I'll have a new office in Jefferson City, and the I guess that is the um, – Southeast corner on the third floor, so hopefully a lot of east corner. It'd be very easy for people to find. Yeah, and uh, I look forward to. I'm excited to see your new digs. Yeah, yeah, it'll 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 be. You know, you're always happy with a with an office in in the Capitol. But as a more junior senator, I was upstairs on the fourth floor, which is great view of the river, great view of the blimp that Rex Stringfield had, by the way, on the other side of the river. Um, But a little the smaller office, so it couldn't have as many. Constituents would come by or whatever. Yeah, your this, staff was cramped in there. Yeah, too. this is a little bit, a little bit more room to, because so, I love it when people come to to Jefferson City and come by. Uh, I don't know if you remember Rusty Brown. Yes, um, he lives in Green Valley now. His wife and kids were there yesterday and popped in the office. Oh, and took some pictures. Nice to see him. You know what? They didn't think I was going to be there, mm-hmm. but that's really a lot of joy in doing this. You're job a very gracious host when people come by. So I like. That south, and it's easy. To What's say. your view now? What What do you see out of your out your window? I look out the. I can look out the window and see the Supreme Court and see the front lawn. I oh. mean, our capital is so gorgeous. It, it, it is. is um, there's some repairs that need to be made, and but this is this is going to be. It's going to be nice, and I can simply say, third floor, southeast corner, bam, mm-hmm. boom, and, and there you are, right there. Yeah, just that quick. Yeah, and then just like uh, that, and we know where you're at. It's amazing. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> Next week, I'm looking forward to Veterans Day. I have a few activities that I'll be participating in, and that's always a, a fun time. And uh, that's really about it. I don't know if there's really anything else that we've, we've talked quite a bit about the election. We did. We'll keep going on. Ad nauseum. We take a hit. We keep going on. Mm-hmm. We, keep, we look forward to seeing you next week at the town hall meeting. Uh, dialogue live, I guess. Yeah. And I don't know if there's anything else, Courtney, that you need to add? or I think it's a great show. Chris, what do you have to add? I just think we've done really good today. 